Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. So we have just published the second edition of the Intercom Customer Support Trends Report. On today's show, we're going to take a deep dive into the five top trends from that report with a little help from our panel of guests, including Adrian Swinsco, CX consultant and author, Ruth O'Brien, Senior Manager of Customer Support here at Intercom, and Sean Carter, Customer Care Team Lead at Aircall. You can download the full report at intercom.com, but for now, I'll give you an overview of our Customer Support Trends research. We found that the customer support landscape is rapidly evolving, making adapting to change no longer optional for any business. A year ago, as the world grappled with the global pandemic, customer support teams acted quickly to meet the rising expectations of their customers, paired with the increased inbound conversation volume coming their way. To manage these accelerated pressures, forward-thinking businesses adopted conversational support tools like proactive messaging capabilities and chatbots, empowering them to strike the right balance between keeping their teams efficient and their customers happy. Fast forward one year, we're now at a critical tipping point where all businesses need to embrace change or risk losing valued customers and talented teammates. We surveyed over 1,200 global support leaders across a range of sectors like tech, e-commerce and finance. The conclusion was five top trends that are transforming customer support. We're going to take a deep dive into each of these trends and chat with our panel to get their thoughts and advice. Okay, let's go. The first trend the customer expectation gap has widened. 75% of support leaders said customer expectations are rising. This is a 2% increase from last year's increase. Adrian, why do you think that's happening? Like, why are customer expectations increasing? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. And if only we knew the minds of customers all of the time and about everything. And so it's, it's I think sometimes we're often kind of guessing, but I think if we deal with what we really do know about and what we've seen happen is there's a lot of talk earlier in the pandemic about this massive shift to digital that has taken place. I think what's been clear, however, is that that just wasn't a one-time shift. It was like a big step and then it's continued. And so customers are increasingly, and one now we could probably argue predominantly looking for help in digital channels. That's the first kind of place they're going. And I think that's possibly a big driver of the increase in expectations is that people have made the shift and then they're going deeper with the shift. And that's kind of because of the pace of improvement is not keeping up with that shift. I think that's where we're seeing the imbalance in expectations. Ruth, what can customer support leaders and companies do to decrease this gap? We very much try to practice what we preach about our conversational support funnel. So we offer proactive support to get ahead of incoming volume. We provide many self-serve options, but we don't compromise on allowing customers get through to a human when they need to. So it can be tempting to sway too far in one direction here. I've seen companies go all in on automation and self-serve, thinking it's the most efficient thing for customers and for the team. And they cut out the human side of things entirely. I'm sure we've all been caught in an endless, unhelpful bot loop when seeking support from another company at some stage. And it does nothing for brand loyalty when it's quite clear a company absolutely does not want to speak to you. 
And then others shy away from investing in automation because it, it is an investment, right? It takes time to get this all set up and it costs money. And they go big on human support to meet demand and they end up having to backtrack and cut headcount as costs skyrocket. So building out a very clear strategy of what a customer support team needs, that has been key for us striking the balance at Intercom between that human support and then investing in this new technology as well. The second trend is that agility is no longer optional. 59% of companies say their incoming support volume has increased over the past 12 months. 52% had to decrease their headcount due to COVID-19. And 48% of those businesses say the decrease negatively affected the customer experience. Support teams seem to be suffering here. Why do you think companies turn to the support department for budget cuts? Are there any other options companies can look at instead of reducing headcount? You know what it kind of strikes me? This really frustrated because it, it smacks of the idea that service and support is still seen by many as a cost center and not a relationship, revenue, and loyalty driver sort of hub, as it were. And I thought we'd made that argument. I thought we'd won that argument, but apparently not. And... I would implore, I would impeach, I would beg even <laughs> kind of brands to go and change their mindset and find a way to start investing in their support function because we know that if you add in like a complicated picture, i.e. changing data and privacy and cookie laws and all that type of stuff, third-party data, go, it's going to be harder and harder to acquire customers. Therefore, doing your utmost to try and keep customers, which then equals helping them when they need some help, support, service, contact center, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be absolutely essential to maintain this, the, the health and sustainability and vitality of your kind of business. So you have to think about what is the impact of delivering pure service that will, it will have on your brand and also your growth ambitions. And then to make that even more complicated, you've got to add in the whole this idea about this great resignation, you know, whether that's a real thing or it's just pent up demand based on kind of like this a pause and change can because of the pandemic. I'd also ask brands to consider, you know, how difficult is it going to be to replace your talented staff once you've let them go? You know, there could be a massive regret cost there, you know, and it, but if they absolutely have to reduce headcount then it's not acceptable to, to say that we're, we're just going to have to accept that we deliver lower service kind of standards. So if you're going to reduce kind of headcount, then maybe think about how do I cost effectively introduce more technology to allow my people to do more, to achieve more, i.e. self-service, automation, workflow efficiencies, all of that type of stuff. So I can do more with less, as it were. But it can't be less, less across the board because I don't think accepting lower service standards is acceptable for both a company and their growth ambitions and their customers. Sean, how can customer support leaders pivot their customer support strategy to be more agile and adapt to these pressures? Yeah, I, I honestly, I want to also just really quickly plus one everything that Adrian just said, because it's literally my thoughts on this whole this whole trend. But I, I think in, in an effort to kind of adjust for this, as far as just your overall support strategy goes, like, periodically reviewing everything that you're doing for efficiency. I know that's one thing that, that we've set up with my team and with my fellow team leads at Aircall. We regularly go through our stuff to look for areas where things are inefficient. Also talk to your team. Talking to your team is a huge thing. They notice when things are not efficient. That is something that I think I could apply to every single trend here is 
have a conversation with your team about this particular trend because they know. And if you open that conversation with them, they will talk about it and you can get so much. I, I often, oftentimes kind of get called out a little bit for focusing way too much on my team and really like using them as, as like a resource, but it's honestly just because they are such an important resource for me. They have great ideas. I hire great people and I, you know, keep them well-trained. I, you know, I make sure that they've got everything that they need to do their job. So when they have those moments of, you know, clarity where they were like, Hey, this is something that we can improve. That's something that more often than not, I've already missed. So talk to your teams. Those are incredibly helpful. Also continuously train something that I noticed really helped us last year, especially as things started to get a little bit tight was making sure that one, we were going back to our processes. We were making sure that we, these processes still work for us. If we're increasing efficiency, those processes are going to change. And not everybody is going to be as on top of those changes. If you're constantly changing things, that's going to, you're going to lose people in the mix. So constantly reinforcing that. And then we've already talked about it a little bit with like (laughs) more self-help options, make sure that they're out there make sure that they make sense, give people the option to help themselves and get through the process quicker, but also make sure that they have the option to talk to a human being. Ruth, what are some of the ways Intercom's customer team work in an agile environment? Yeah, I touched on it there um, in my previous answer around, you know, practicing what we preach or balancing that automation and human support. I'd love to just piggyback on Adrian's point above if that's okay. I just really hope companies stop seeing customer support as only a cost center. Like obviously there is a cost to employing anybody, right? But if your customer support team are amazing with your customers, that drives retention, expansion, and you can actually invest in, you know, creating services with your customer support team, the customers will pay more for potentially, you know? So there really is a space to have customer support and success paired together in ensuring that uh, it's really a value driver for the company rather than something that's like a cost and must cut heads as soon as budget cuts need to happen. So I just wanted to make sure I got that point in there as well. And to come back to your question about agility, it's very much about embracing change. But like Sean said, being really mindful and thoughtful about how you're rolling that out to your team because change after change after change even for people who love to embrace new technologies and ways of doing things, it can be overwhelming, especially in this world with the pandemic where we've been working from home for so long. You know, if somebody's like sitting in a room by themselves and it's just change, 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 and they can't have a good conversation with say their manager or their teammates about it, it can be a lot. So just being really, really thoughtful about all of the changes in technology and I guess the processes as well. And uh, similar to Sean, you know, before I worked for Intercom, thinking about bots actually made me shudder. I was really like, the bots are going to take the customer support people's jobs. And like, they're so inhuman and impersonal. But again, if done right, if you use them to take care of like FAQs, things that customers like just want a quick answer to, and you allow the humans to focus on like actually dealing with emotional topics or complex troubleshooting, that is the way to stay agile in this world where things are constantly changing and stop balance again between automation and human support. Before we continue with today's guest, I just want to take a quick second to let you know about our amazing archive of podcasts. It's full of insights from thought leaders from the worlds of product management, design, marketing, and a lot more. People like Megan Keeney Anderson. Megan was VP of marketing for HubSpot for over nine years. She joined us to talk about how marketers should adapt their customer acquisition strategies in the age of the internet. Internet will rise and fall and go through different iterations. And our job as content creators, as marketers, is to really study that and stay close to it and adapt. You can hear Megan's episode and lots more on intercom.com forward slash blog forward slash podcasts. Okay, let's get back to today's interview. 
The third trend, the need for a connected tech stack escalates. Support teams are already limited with resources, and their tech stack is another area that is limiting their time, with 47% of support employees personally slowed down, at least weekly, because tools aren't integrated. Ruth, how does Intercom consolidate its customer support tech stack? I'm very lucky to work in a company that's built an amazing support solution, not only for our customers, but also for my team. We use Intercom to support our customers in supporting their customers. And internally, we call that interception. Bit of a cheesy in-joke there. We manage our self-serve materials through our own help center within Intercom. Our automation and our bot flows are within Intercom and we use our own reporting functionality as well. So it's so helpful in that sense that a lot of things are like within the one tool already. And Intercom is used by our sales and marketing teams, which is incredibly helpful in understanding a customer's experience as they interact with teams across the company. However, of course, we need to use some other tools outside Intercom too. But by using Intercom, we've been able to keep that to a minimum. Sean, when you can't have all your tools in one platform, what's your advice for enhancing support teams' capabilities with integrations? Yeah, um, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a broken record, but I'm going to go back to the point that I made earlier, which is talk to your teams. That's the first place you should start. They are going to have pain points. They're going to have areas that, as Adrian mentioned, like areas that are going to make their job harder. And you should be focusing on how to make their job easier. That should be part of your overall strategy. So talk to them, talk to the reps, you know, for the, the companies whose platforms you're already using. I'm going to use Intercom as a perfect example. We started a great monthly meeting with our CSM. It's the support team talking to our Intercom CSM, looking at ways that Intercom can help us that we didn't know existed. There are a lot of great things in Intercom that as a former power user of Intercom, who then had to take a break because we didn't use it at my last company to now being back to using Intercom, I came back to it to a whole load of new tools. And I've found since kind of realizing this, that when you talk to your reps at these companies, your, your point of contact, they can usually help you out with the stuff that you're struggling with. Like there are people out there to help you. That's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. So talk to your reps, talk to the people who are, who are, you know, trying to help you use their product to the, you know, the best that you possibly can. And if you're still building your stack, you know, for smaller companies that are out there, think of the integration possibilities that you might have and always go with the tools that are going to give you the most integrations. I have made this recommendation to so many people over the years. I've been lucky to work for a couple of different companies now who really prioritize integrations. And when you find companies that do that, they tend to also work really well with other companies who do that. So if you're using all of these same tools, you can use very few tools to accomplish a lot of things because there's such a focus on integrations. Aircall is a, is a great company for that. We, we really pride ourselves on having a lot of fantastic integrations with different tools in order to make the employee experience so much better. When you have happy employees, you have happy customers. That's the way it goes. Sean, you absolutely nailed it, I think, in terms of speaking to your reps your team. And it sounds like kind of what that, Ruth, that's kind of what happens internally kind of with Intercom as well. It's kind of very kind of democratic sort of approach because there's research that shows, I think it's from PwC a few years ago called Tech at Work. And they said that they found that about 75%, I don't know if they'll get the, the exact numbers right, of leaders don't consult their employees when they buy technological solutions. And then they wonder 
why there's onboarding problems and kind of use problems and all these different sort of things. And then they also get a discount the fact that their people may be privy to solutions and other sort of things because they're plugged into communities that they're not part of that might actually have better recommendations about better tools or better technology that might work because they know about the problems that customers are facing and what would be the best thing for them to actually build it. So, Sean, you're you're absolutely spot on. The more that you talk to your people, your reps, your employees, the people that are on the front that are dealing with that demand, the better insight you're going to get in terms of what they need and what they know. And then that'll help with the whole onboarding and utilization and adoption and all these different sort of things, the whole change management things, which doesn't get talked about enough, but is an absolutely essential kind of part of success in this in this space. The fourth trend seems to be a natural outcome from the other trends. Support leaders fight against team burnout and attrition. The research found 64% of customer support leaders say members of their teams have felt burned out in the past 12 months. Furthermore, 55% of support leaders have personally felt burned out in the past year too. Adrian, why are more employees and leaders experiencing burnout and why do you think there's been this great resignation? Well, I think it's a natural consequence of where we're at because I think what we've seen on the back of this big shift to digital and that deepening shift to digital, we've just seen demand volumes across all channels go up and it's been consistently high. And I think what we're also seeing is that people are working longer hours And so that's taking a toll. So demand is going up. People are working kind of longer hours. They're not saving as much as we think they might be saving on the commute and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But the other thing I think that we need to add in, which is different for support or service or help, is that remote working can be challenging for many people. You know, it's both isolating and sometimes emotionally wearisome, particularly if you're in support, because we, what we forget, we forget this, the social support dynamic that can happens when people are operating in a room together and how that can help, where it's hard to manage that when people are in a room. So for example, if, if a call comes in and it's, it's a hard interaction, it's just difficult, or somebody's being abusive, or it's just heavy, or it's complicated, mm-hmm. whatever. When you're in a room together, or you're sitting next to a colleague, People just notice things and can maybe tap you on the shoulder and go, Sean, Ruth, I know that was a hard one. I'll tell you what, I got your back. Why don't you take five minutes, get some fresh air, just refresh, gather your thoughts and then come back. That doesn't, it's harder to facilitate and to support and to make that kind of happen. And so you can lead to, you understand how this kind of, there's like demand has gone up, longer hours, less kind of emotional support. The burnout is, I think, is, is understandable to be in a manifestation of all these conditions, which then makes it incumbent on leaders to actually understand kind of that and think about what they can do to try and to, to help manage for that. Ruth, how do you ensure your team has room to grow and protect them from burnout? And what are some of the initiatives Intercom provides its team to prevent burnout and attrition? Sure. Uh, firstly, yes to everything Adrian just said. And um, on top of that, I'll come back again to investing in our internal processes and tools. So it's all about making the job of a CS rep more interesting and challenging, right? Like that's going to hold on to them for longer. So when automation and self-serve deal with the easier and transactional topics, support roles become more interesting and challenging, as I mentioned there. 
at Interfam, I've actually seen the best retention levels of any CS team I've ever worked on because we don't work on this repetitive ticketing, long wait time, constant stream of angry customers. We try and have the humans deal with like human issues, right? And the automation itself sort of deals with the kind of quick things that can get very boring very quickly for our team. We've also invested greatly in leveling and tiering within our own organization, so within customer support, but also on mentorship programs with other teams to ensure that we offer a long career path, both inside the support team to hold on to our great people, but also out to the rest of the company, because it's better to have someone move somewhere else in the business than leave the actual company entirely if they're a great teammate. And finally, this is similar to what Adrian mentioned. We treat humans like humans and not numbers. So we've actually ripped up our KPI systems actually multiple times to match the needs of the team and match the needs of our customers. So we don't hold on to these stale, stressful targets just because they're industry standard. They just increase stress levels. I mean, you obviously have to have something to use as a measurement for your team, but try and have those be something that help the team understand what success looks like rather than be something that they're like running and running towards. And it's just arbitrary. So I would say to anyone out there who feels like they're getting feedback from their team about their KPI systems, don't be afraid to just tear it up and do something different. You don't have to do what everybody else does. And yeah, I'm glad that we've done that over the last couple of years because it's really, really helped with this burnout situation. Our final trend, customer empathy is more important than ever. Some 73% of customer support teams say that empathizing with customers is a top priority, but 21% don't feel they have the tools they need to enable appropriate empathy. Adrian, why do you think empathy has become so important? I think if we could, again, if we step back and reflect on what's happened, the last years have been kind of quite strange. And initially, many people were fearful, they were anxious, they were asked to do different sort of things, and it was all very strange. And that surge for, that sort of came out in their interactions with companies. And so there was this, there was research that came out in 2020 that said there was a surge in demand for more empathy and customer interactions. And as you think about it, you go, hmm, yeah, that's kind of understandable. But I think if we step back even further, we also have to recognize that this demand is not new. I think the pandemic, it just exacerbated sort of thing. It just accelerated it, it magnified it, it compressed it. I mean, some people said that there were the, you know, the rate of digital transformation over the, the initial part of the pandemic People achieved in five months, which would normally have taken them five or six years. It just everything went got compressed, right? Because actually, if you go further back, there's the demand for greater empathy in customer interactions. I think it's been here for at least six years. I see. I remember seeing Global Accenture research from back in 2016, I think it was, that said that the majority of customers around the world were complaining about with this big move to sort of digital investment, in digital to how customer service had become humanless, air quotes, he says, which I think we can say is a proxy for lacking in empathy. So we're here, it's there now, it's looming large, people are looking kind of for it, the people that can deliver it are going to stand out because it's people kind of want that, they connect with people that understand them. The problem is, if I go back to that whole kind of Einstein, how do I solve a problem sort of quote, is what will happen or what could happen is that many of you go like, oh, more empathy, that requires more training. And we get this scourge of reductive thinking of like going, ah, problem, solve it with that, job's done. The problem is that's not enough. Empathy training is, is possibly part of the problem, but it's going to take 
strategy, systems, processes, design, technology, leadership, training, and the right sort of people, if we are to build what I think is, is going to be required is this empathetic musculature that we're going to have to put around our organization. Because we have to understand it. it's like a muscle, it's a habit, it's a, it's a behavior that we have to build and support and nurture and sustain if we're going to be able to sustainably be more empathetic to our customers and to our employees. So I think that's why it's important, but I think there's the challenge and the imperative is that we need to think about this holistically if we're going to be able to do it sustainably. So there you have it, the five top trends. If you'd like to learn more about our customer support trends, you can download the full report at intercom.com and the link is in the show notes. My thanks to Adrian Swinsco, CX consultant and author, Ruth O'Brien, Senior Manager of Customer Support here at Intercom, and Sean Carter, Customer Care Team Lead at Aircall. That's it for today. Join me next week for another great episode of Inside Intercom.